Louis is going to join us talking about the bots are coming. Um, I see a couple of people standing at the back, so if you are brave enough to wager the social discomfort, um, I do note a couple of empty seats closer to the front if you want to take a chance. But that's over to Louis on the second presentation. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, can you hear me? Um, I'm going to talk to you about the bots are coming. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was, uh, I'm not a ventrilo ventriloquist. I think it was somebody else coughing. <laughs> um, um, also, with the size of this audience, I wish um, I could have had a bot to present this for me because it's quite intimidating with the size of the audience. Um, but um, we're not there yet. Maybe next year. Um, so what is this about? This is about the pace of, uh, this talk is about the pace of technologi technological change in the outside world with regards to uh, AI and machine learning and machine intelligence, or like somebody uh, likes to call it. It's also about um, conversation and chat, and I think uh, Devil touched on that already. How, how can we use this technology to uh, interact with our customers in a different way, and, and the opportunities that arises from that? And then it's also about the world of work. How is the world of work going to change, and especially our profession? How is that potentially going to be affected? I'm going to lightly touch on that and, and leave you with thoughts, um, possibly depressive, possibly uh, uh, positive, depending on your point of view. So where does the story start? For me, it starts in 1997 with uh, uh, Deep Blue. Uh, Deep Blue uh, beat Kasparov, the champion at that time, um, in, in, a, in a series of games of chess, and, and that was quite a big achievement. The problem of chess is a big problem. It's a difficult problem. It's a, uh, uh, the problem space is defined as 10 to the power of 50. It's kind of the, roughly the number of moves that you could make in a game of chess, which is a massive problem. If you think about the number of atoms in the universe, it's about 10 to the power of 80. So uh, it's quite difficult to solve that problem. Uh, and they kind of solved it in a semi-brute force way. They used lots of previous games, they got grandmasters involved to help build the program, design the rules of the program, they threw lots of hardware in a machine, and they really brute forced that problem, uh, and which was a, quite an achievement given the size of that problem space. Um, however, people felt comfortable and safe because there was always Go, the game of Go. You know, it's, it's a much more complicated game. The game of Go involved these stones on a board. I'm trying to understand the rules because it is quite intriguing, a very mathematical type of game, very simple rules, but quite a complex game. The problem space of Go is 10 to the power of 170. So the complexity involved in that game is far outweighs chess because there's so many possible moves and so many possible board setups that, 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 that can happen. Um, and humanity felt safe that humans could still beat the machines, but unfortunately in, in, in 2015 that was shattered when uh, Google's uh, uh, AlphaGo, designed by the Google DeepMind team, beat Lisa Dahl, the, the champion, the world champion at that time, and still considered to be one of the best players um, in the last decade or so. Um, and he, and it was, he was beaten, uh, I think, 4-1 in, in a series of games, so quite a significant feat there. So humans are suffering a little bit there. Um, if you look back into more simple, relatively more simple, how can I say, uh, things to do, uh, tasks, um, uh, ImageNet is a, is a challenge that's been going for some time, and it challenges computer programs to classify images as good as humans. Um, this is the, the, the aim of classifying images to, for example, say this image contains a zebra, this Im image contains a microphone. You can see this one is some of the more difficult ones with the, with the, with the bots fail a bit. Um, but that's the, that's the aim of the game here. And 
what they're starting to see now is that you know, the bots are becoming as good as humans in this. And not as good as any human. Um, A2 represents an untrained human trying to classify images. Um, but A1 is a trained human. The, train, the trained human is still only just beating the machines. So the machines are becoming very good at this task of image classifications. Um, yeah, so as you say in that quote, they're actually saying, we conclude, you know, humans can beat the machine only with significant training. So the, the machines are really developing very fast and, and very quickly. The next slide is, yeah, the video's playing, is all about self-driving cars. And I think that's been mentioned so many times in this conference. I'm gonna, just going to show you a bit of self-driving car. Um, this is Tesla's uh, uh, self-driving car. The person sitting there is not touching the steering wheel, I think he's clenching his knees quite furiously, um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and he's also not touching the pedals. So you can see this car is doing quite well. This is fast forwarded a bit, it's a, a little bit faster than reality. Uh, if, you do, if you do, some people have tried to slow down the video to real time speeds, if you do watch it, it the, the computer's still driving a little bit like a granny I would say, um, a little bit conservative but quite impressive nonetheless. On the right, you can see how the, the, the programs are interpreting the things it sees. It sees the lines in the middle of the road very clearly, objects by the side of the road. Every now and then you can see a sign that identifies the road signs in purple there um, as, it, as it drives on. So quite a tremendous advance in technology from uh, 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 you know, beating somebody in a game of chess to having a car on the road uh, driving by itself in a very complex situation with massive uh, problem space, if you think about it. There's so much that can happen in a road that can't happen in a game of chess or a game of go. Um, and then just to sort of end off the sort of introduction to the pace of technology, to technological change, it's, gonna, 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 uh, it's going to continue to go at a very rapid pace. This is a, a very uh, big slide with lots of small text on it. I know it's difficult to read, but this is the number of companies that are starting up and in, involved in this, this, uh, this quest for machine intelligence and, and machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yes? Oh. Hello. Okay. Could you hear any of the, pre the rest of the talk? I'm a little bit worried now. <laughs> it's all fine. Okay. So this just shows you a bunch of industries uh, uh, that are involved in this. Um, we're talking about enterprise intelligence, trying to make sense of your customers, talking about sales, marketing, a lot of machine learning applications out there, a lot of companies targeting lots of different areas in that space. Um, way down here is retail finance, sorry, retail finance and investment, uh, 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 and those sectors that a lot of us are involved in as well. So you can see a lot of companies really being active in this space and, and, and really targeting it, targeting it. So this technology, technological advancement is, is set to continue in future and, and will be quite uh, 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 rapid. What are some of the things holding back, uh, holding back AI and machine learning, these kind of things? Um, these are three sort of generic points. Um, Firstly, you need data. So you can't do AI at the moment without data. You, uh, the, these, these tools, these algorithms need data to train on and data to, to, to develop themselves. So that's quite a, something I'm holding back. You can't start without, without a bit of data, which makes it a bit difficult. The other bit that AI is still struggling with, and, and lucky for us, it's, it's, it's a good thing um, for the humans, um, is that AI um, doesn't, doesn't multitask. The AI that's, that beat, uh, was good at chess can't be good at Go. The AI that was good at Go can't drive a car. 
us humans can still multitask. We have people who can drive a car, play go, and play chess, and many other things. So that multitasking feature is not yet there. They, they tend to be spe uh, specific to very, very specific subsets of tasks. Um, and then the, the, the other bit is, is, is around when, when people develop these models and these networks, these neural networks and this deep learning and those sort of techniques, it's very difficult for them to show how the thing is working. So you really want to have it to have science where you can show the process and understand the process. But these things are so complex that it's quite difficult to understand how they're working and what, what their process is. So that's one of, the, one of the drawbacks that people are seeing. One of the drawbacks that are not there is that you don't need a big company to do machine learning. You don't need a, 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 a massive insurance company. You don't need a, lot, you know, a large corporate structure. Machine learning is accessible to you and me via services you can access Google's TensorFlow or some of their best machine learning algorithms. You can access open source uh, on, their, on, their, on, on their infrastructure and use that if you have access to data. And access to data is not a monopolized anymore as well. Lots of sources of data. We saw somebody using Wiki, Wikipedia for, as a source of data and quite successfully. So that, that kind of thing, there's scale in, 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 in starting small with machine learning as well. So that sort of wraps up my sort of technological review, just a brief introduction to what's happening out there. Um, I want to talk now more about talking. Um, this is an article around the Turing test where uh, a, a, a fake child passed the Turing test. Now this, uh, this child was in fact a bot, uh, an artificially intelligent bot, and it convinced 33% of a panel of judges that it is a real kid in, in an con online conversation, in a, in a, in a chat. Um, this is kind of uh, the Turing test. Is, a, is that test um, that's that's called passing the Turing test? Different people have slightly different definitions of what the Turing test is. The point I'm trying to make is that artificial intelligence is becoming clever enough to hold a reasonable conversation to convince some people that it's a real thing, that it's a real person. Now, I'm not trying to convince our customers that we're not using bots to talk to them, but this means that the technology becomes accessible to more people. This allows uh, things like Lemonade, as our previous presenter mentioned, to, to automate this interaction with this customer, automate this, in, this, this customized interaction with customers, allowing them to, to be closer to the customer instead of the customer having to come closer to them, as we, as we, as we saw in some of the other presentations as well. Um, and who are you going to talk to when you have a, a, a bot that can talk? I think there's no, there's no limits on this. We're talking, if you just look at WhatsApp, there's one billion people actively using WhatsApp every month. Um, the, other, the other applications are also massive. Uh, QQ is a Chinese one. Uh, Facebook, 0.8 of a billion people. Massive markets, massive potential customer bases out there that, that can be easily reached with, with something like a chatbot. And the only way to reach them really at scale and uh, you know, at a cost that's manageable is via artificial intelligence or chatbots. You don't need to look far for this kind of thing. Um, I just found one startup in, in Cape Town actually doing this sort of stuff, FinChatbot in Cape Town as a startup, um, and they, they're developing these, these processes to have financial chatbots, uh, financially, you know, to, to work in the financial service sector and, and develop this kind of talk interfaces with companies to sell their business, to interact with their customers. Um, like this. So this is an example. Um, somebody type in their uh, name and details, and do you want to buy a funeral cover? You know, a very efficient and simple way to reach customers at scale, which is very difficult with funeral cover and other small micro policies. So something to think about. So Lemonade is coming to South Africa as well. 
And I'm going to cross over now to the world of work and how that's going to be changing. Um, this is kind of a crossover a slide. It talks, talks about talking, about interacting with bots in a, in a real time, but it also talks about work, the world of work changing. Aiming is an is a artificial, artificial intelligence-driven uh, personal assistant. Okay? So Greg just emailed Amy and said, please set up a meeting with Mary, and we want to go for coffee somewhere near. That gets interpreted by the artificial intelligence. Um, the Amy then emails Mary to suggest a time and a place to meet up. Mary replies saying, no, it's not a convenient time, moves the meeting. Once they've settled that conversation, uh, Amy puts up a, a calendar invite to, to both of them to put the, put the meeting in their diary. You know, that's the work of a personal assistant done. Uh, it's kind of Uberized, right? Um, the company doesn't really reveal how much of it is driven by artificial intelligence and how much of it is driven by uh, mechanical Turk uh, or by people actually looking at these emails. Um, but um, the, uh, but this, this is a perfect framework to start to develop that. So even where the, the, the machine learning is failing in some cases, they can learn from that and improve their machine learning techniques to catch all the fail, failures of that machine learning and improve on that. And it's far cheaper to, uh, to, uh, to rent a, a personal assistance for a couple of dollars a month than to actually have somebody uh, running around trying to arrange your meetings um, and, and pay them. So that, that's kind of a world of work starting to be affected. And you might think that's a relatively simple job. What about the job of a journalist? Associated Press really, uh, revealed last year that about 3,000 articles per quarter is being written by uh, bots. Only a couple of, only a hundred or so of those articles are actually being reviewed by a person before hitting the presses, or being changed by a person before hitting the presses. That's quite massive. You, you read articles in the press that are written by bots, and that's quite a profession that you wouldn't have imagined that is susceptible to this kind of technology, but th there you have it. Um, at the moment, it's limited to earnings reports, which are, of course, data-driven and quite easy to automate in some ways, but I can't see them not using this to report on ports, sports events, reporting on scores, all those sort of little articles that just report the basic facts, quite easily automated and um, uh, uh, affecting the jobs of journalists. AP says, uh, Associated Press, says that um, they haven't lost any jobs, nobody's been fired yet, it allows journalists to focus on, on more uh, uh, in-depth articles around it, so um, they, they cite an Apple article that was written by a bot about the Apple's latest results, the journalists had time to focus on a more in-depth article on Apple, um, uh, looking at their results in more detail and, and focus on the, on the important stuff. Um, I'd, I do see, however, that uh, I'd be nervous if I was a journalist working in financial press, especially. Um, so, yeah, that's I mean, yeah. And then people think about professionals, and professionals are going to be safe. You know, uh, we, uh, computers can't have professional judgment, computers can't, have, uh, can't think like a, pro a professional, don't have creativity. And some of those comments are true. Uh, about a lot of uh, about some aspects of what we do, but a lot of what we do are extremely rote, extremely repetitive, and can be automated in, in a large sense. If you see this quote from Harvard Business Review, you realize that a lot of serious people are taking this threat to professionals very seriously. I think uh, uh, the, the chair uh, sort of uh, touched on it earlier as well. I'm going to read it. Our research and analysis challenges the idea that these professionals will be spared. We expect that within decades, the traditional professions will be dismantled, 
leaving most, but not all, professions to be replaced by less expert people, new types of experts, and high-performance systems. This is the intelligence driving professions. I mean, if you think about our profession, there are a lot of uh, tasks that are quite rote and quite repetitive, and, and I, think, I think we have, as a profession, to guard against having you know, that as, as our mainstream uh, uh, things that we do. So sort of early signs of around professions that are sort of training in this fashion or that are automatable is professions with lots, lots of standard solutions. If you think about the legal, uh, legal profession, a standard contract makes uh, 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 the need for a professional a lot less. If you can just fill in some base detail, that contract can be automated and replaced by a bot. And to some extent, that's already happening. Checklists, pre pre precedents, methodologies, well, all those things are very clear and very set out in methodological methodological, um, people can automate a, a job quite easily. And on all those other points on there as well. If you think about professions that are already sort of sensing this already, the web MD uh, website network can, has more visitors than the whole US health system has patients. So, that, you know, just looking at websites is already a lot more uh, 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 prevalent than actually going to the doctor. Um, online dispute resolution when you're auctioning things on eBay, the number of on online dispute resolutions that occur via eBay is more than the total number of cases in the US court system. So that is already, that's automation of, 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 of professions. Um, E-filing on tax, that's another, you know, you don't need an accountant, you can do it yourself and it's automated. A lot of these kind of things are happening quite, quite rapidly. Um, and I think we have, as a profession, have these kind of jobs as well that we do and we do repetitively that we need to kind of really think about how are we going to automate and how are we going to add value to this process so that it's not something that can be automated, that we're actually adding value to that. So that's something that, that I'd, I'd like to leave you with. So I'm near the end. Um, concluding, I think just to touch on those points again, advances are likely to continue and they're are likely to gather pace actually. Um, the pace of change is really fast. You saw in our, in, in our video presentation earlier today that the, the pace of change is just increasing rapidly. And this is one of the driving facts behind that. Um, I think AI and bots and chat interfaces will allow us to interact with our customers in a different way, in a lot better way. And I think uh, DevOps Talk is a perfect example of how those interfaces can be used really effectively um, in, in an insurance environment. Um, and our work and our profession is likely to change. A lot of people are saying, um, and this is a TED talk, I'm going to leave you with, uh, this is a TED talk, and a lot of people are actually saying technology, entertainment, and design are the fields that are least likely to be um, automatable uh, to replace my bots. So I'm, ho I'm hoping my, my talk was entertaining. <laughs> um, so something to just to think about in terms of broader societal impact is this quote from, from President Obama, nonetheless. He's talking about AI, believe it or not. Um, but at some point, when the problem is not just Uber, but driverless Uber, when radiologists are losing their jobs to AI, when, when we're going to have, then we're going to have to figure out how to do, we maintain a cohesive society and a cohesive democracy in which productivity and wealth generation are not automatically linked. And how many hours you put in 
uh, and linked to how many hours you put in, sorry about that, where the links between production and distribution are broken in some sense. To explain that, that point, he goes on to say, uh, you know, you have some people who can go online, write a couple of lines of code, uh, employ an army of AI, and generate millions of dollars of revenue and profit for themselves. But the person watching that guy's kids have no, has no leverage to, uh, to increase their $10 per hour or whatever pay they do get from that activity. And, and I think as a society, we're going to have to address this, this, this imbalance. And I think in South Africa, that imbalance is even, is even greater. So I'll leave you with that. Thanks. Some fascinating thoughts. Thank you, Louis. Can I uh, just get another indication of hands before we move to the third and last uh, presentation? Any questions? Also, just thanking Louis for reminding all of us that our e-filing, the tax returns are due <laughs> tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Any show of hands? Any questions? Perhaps just while we're looking for a question, I mean, a, a, a question in, in, in this domain that interests me is, uh, is what we do with liability and how we link advice to, to liability. So, you know, yeah. Tesla and Elon Musk is currently facing those kinds of challenges mm -hmm. whenever a driverless car is involved in an accident. I think in the advisory yeah. space, uh, there's a whole FIS domain which has to be parked somewhere in this, so either to Louis or to Diervald, um, if you could perhaps comment yeah. on that and where that fits. And yeah. while Louis responds, I'm still looking for hands, so please just wave if you do have a question before yeah. we move on. In the field of driverless cars, people are saying the auto insurance industry is heavily disrupted because the, the, the number of accidents is bound to drop, drop significantly. But the, the flip side is that the liability side of, of that uh, remains quite complex because if you have a, a driverless car driving over a cliff, who is liable for that? Is that the programmer? who did the, the programming? Is it the, produ the producer? Is it somebody who hacked that vehicle remotely and, and, and made it do things that it wasn't supposed to do? Or was it the driver who in some way guided that driverless vehicle in, in, in a difficult way? And that's going to be issues that we're going to need to solve in quite a complex way. And also, I think with product liability, it's, it's quite a geared effect because if one car is broken, many cars are more likely to be broken and that could quite, uh, lead to quite large liabilities. Um, to manufacturers and to their, cover, their insurance uh, people who insure them. Right, I don't see any other hands, so let's move on. Just join me in thanking Louis once again, and then Adrian is going to, uh, to talk about generation theory and the millennials. Thank you. Adrian, let's just test.